Welcome to Every Album Ever with Mike and Alex. My name is Michael Munster, and I'm joined, as always, by my not-happy-anymore co-host, Alexander Voltz. Say hello. So kind of happy. Good to be back, though. Again. <laughs> we uh, we recorded an entire five-minute intro, and I realized I wasn't recording, and uh, we have to do it again. And, uh, well, you know, you know how things go. And, uh, oh, my God, this is Every Album Ever, the podcast where we listen to every single album in the world, one artist at a time. That's a new discography per episode. And today, we'll be discussing every album by... Catherine Wheel. Catherine Wheel. I'm not going to fuck up this time, okay? It's recording. We're I'm good. Gonna, I'm going to say it again. This is the second episode where it sounds like we're recording a solo artist, but this is a group of people. It is a group of people. Not one lady in the band named Catherine. Not one lady in the band. No, maybe some appearances by ladies. Couple, couple. This is requested on Patreon by both Scott and James, uh, who have both been with us for a long time. They're both great, great dudes. Menches supporters uh scott requested ecstasy mo- most recently i believe he requested the laws he requested the chameleons i believe uh neither though my the clash mu- my musical tastes don't align with scott he's my fa- he's my favorite he's my favorite too i'm kidding you're all my favorite but he's my more favorite than <laughs> listen he's given us a lot all right dude. he's given us a lot uh he's been with us for a while and also my, my musical tastes align with it with yes. a lot more than yours for sure but uh, James also requested uh, Bauhaus, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that was a fun one. That was very fun. That's I didn't a- think I was going to be a fan of Bauhaus in my life, and I'm a fan of Bauhaus. Fucking rad. That's, I feel like that's one of the uh, underlying, our stories is that we've secretly been goth boys. Dude, I didn't realize I loved goth <laughs> until this podcast. Until, same. It's just a weird thing to get into at my yeah, age. It's got a, it has a bad rap because of like, the fashion and stuff. It, the music is pretty fucking rad. Uh, but... Uh, before getting to all that, if you want to support us, please subscribe on YouTube. Like the video if you like it. Talk shit in the comments. Leave your picks for best and worst if you want to play along. It's all neat. It's all fun. It's all good. You can find a Catherine Wheel Spotify playlist link in the description. We got plays associated with pretty much every episode. And you can find all those at everyalbumever.com if you want to really support us. Just like Scott, just like James, patreon.com slash every album ever. That's where you get, you get the bonus episodes. You get super duper early access to the loose ends episodes. You get discounts off merge. You get to see our schedule in advance. You get to vote on polls to see who we're to decide who we're covering next. And if you're tier two, if you're bigger than Jesus, then you get to uh, request, make actual requests for us that we will actually do uh, because we, that's the only way we're taking requests at this point is just way too many and we're exhausted and we're tired and we're getting old. We're getting old, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We're good. Last plug for me. Please check out my debut EP, Pander Monkey by Pander Monkey. There's a link in the description. It's very good. I'm done talking about that. Let's move on. Okay. Catherine Ooh. Wheel. Yes. Now, take goddamn two. Luckily, we didn't get too deep in. We were mostly talking about the weather, which is. <laughs> yes. And now that's just gone. We're not, we're not doing that again. We're done talking about the weather. Uh, Catherine Wheel. So, uh, the. I, I, I'm assuming you had no prior experience. With none. Yes. None whatsoever. Same, Didn't know what I was thing. getting into. Same. Had no idea. Uh, the only thing I saw before going into this was Pioneer of Shoegaze. Yes. Which is kind of misleading. Misleading. It's a little bit accurate, but misleading. Yes. It's about two albums worth. Maybe. I'd say one, one album. It, it worth, is one album for then, sure. Uh, and then we're off to to crazy town after those two albums pretty much uh you a fan i think i am of the well i don't want to say which because then that's giving away my hand but uh 
I think I am. Yes. I am a fan as well. I, uh, I, but this is a, like an ongoing trend with this show is that, uh, I am not one with the world. I do not, I do not align with the world. I do not get along with the world. I have apparently very different opinions about this band than the world does. And I was upset to see like some, like the responses, like what, how could, how could I be so like, I mean, like the things that I enjoyed and things I didn't enjoy are just so polar opposite to everyone else. So oh, is, dang. This might be an interesting episode. I, and I don't understand why, because this is an interesting band. This is a, it is one of those. Um, it feels like one of the most of the time bands I've heard in a long time. It does. They there are some like very um, dated sounds, but not yeah. in like a bad way. <laughs> It, it's more like the the actual style of riff, the actual style of writing. It's like, oh, this you, is clearly early 90s. And yes. then as the albums go on, it's like, oh, this is clearly late 90s. Yeah. It's like, how do you like I didn't realize that there was a such a, a distinction in riff between early 90s and late 90s until I listened to these albums in a row. Like, oh, it does it's, become a little more distinct each each album. It's interesting. It's interesting. And it's also Another, I keep using the, I'm gonna stop saying interesting. It is also cool or, or fascinating in a way because from album to album, I, I'm, I'm, it's like subtle or slight changes. It's like, oh, now they're doing more of this or they're doing less of this. But by the, the last album, it's not the same band, anymore. basically different band. It's yeah. like, unre- I'm not, basically unrecognizable, kind of. Yeah. Uh, but, Along the way, you, you kind of, it's like the, you know, the frog in the boiling water thing. Like, you don't really fucking notice how much is changing with each album, but it's a lot. Yes. Uh, and cool band. But anyway, it's, it's, uh, I mean, we might as well jump into a little bit of the backstory. We got some yeah. stuff uh, from our boy, Tom Osmond, our history guy. You can follow him on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Tom Osmond Sounds. Check out his debut album as well. So much for all day's work. Which you can find a link to in the description as well. Um, in addition to his Substack, substack.tomosman.substack.com, uh, where he writes about music, it helps us out. Dana does his thing, man. It's pretty, pretty freaking cool. But he, he compiled a whole bunch of stuff for us. <clears throat> uh, some uh, three interviews, one with a uh, longtime bassist, David Hawes from 2018, another uh, full band interview from 95, and another interview with uh, singer, guitarist, Rob, guitarist, right? Yeah. Uh, Rob Dickinson from maybe 2007 that's kind of a uh, vague the mm-hmm. the year of that but anyway so uh yeah that takes us to uh 1990 uh, 1990 yeah with uh like you said singer guitar player rob dickinson who is actually the cousin of bruce dickinson of iron maiden that's so insane fucking strange it's so strange and i didn't think like uh, you would never guess. <laughs> no, no. I mean, yeah, that's not. I seems like uh, a common name. So, uh, yeah, that's. I mean, Bruce Dickinson is a common name in music. Like, yeah. Uh, it, so, yeah. Uh, rest of the band filled out by Brian Footer. Footer, Footer. Yeah, uh, Brian Footer, uh, second guitar. guitar. Yeah. Uh, David House on on bass, and then Neil Sims drums. Yeah. Drums. Um. The name, I was like, what? what's up with the name? And yeah, on Google, Catherine Wheel. I saw that a Catherine Wheel is actually a firework, which is cool. 
I didn't never even didn't know, didn't know that. Didn't know that. Naming yourself after a firework is cool. What they actually name themselves after. It's quite not cool. And in fact, it's fucking stupid. <laughs> it's so uneventful. It's literally a water bottle. Yeah. Yeah. So. Was it Rob came in? Was it Rob who came in with a, with a with the, yeah, he walked in with a bottle of water and on the bottle it said St. Catherine's and then he's like, yeah, Catherine wheel. That's the band name now. Yeah. It's n- and they like, they, apparently they, uh, well, according to Haas, he, Said they liked it because it was the opposite of the the monosyllabic oh, names like ride, blur, lush, moose. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah you don't want to. If you're going to get compared to those guys, you might as well do something to make yourself stand out. Yeah, yeah, and I haven't heard too much of, of any of those, but I imagine I like it more than them. If I had to guess, the Catherine Wheel more than these. Yeah. More than like just the Britpop yeah. stuff in general. Yeah, I would agree with that. So far, I've not been a huge fan. Also, you could put Pulp on that list. Uh, yeah, I did like Pulp, but I get, I, 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 with time, I see like I get they're goofy. I get it, and then fucking uh, which Cocker's voice is very is very. <laughs> oh, I like him. I like him. Oh, uh, Jarvis. Yeah. Um. So they're from. Uh, they're from Great Yarmouth, which sounds like a place in fucking Bloodborne, dude. I'm I, glad you said that. It doesn't even, it doesn't sound real. Uh, but we got a little bit of backstory or a little bit of like kind of a geography lesson from, from Tom because he knows that we don't know shit about Europe, mm-hmm. and, which was, uh, it's helpful. So apparently uh, he split it up into the, you know, to pieces of, of the land. Um, Great Yarmouth is like, is east of England. So like to the west of England is Wales um, and north. As um, uh, as Ireland, I believe, Scotland, Scotland. I'm, I can't north. read. I mean, I can't read. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. west is more um to to Republic Republic of Ireland, um, which is uh not Northern Ireland. I do I do know that there was a the, the see I may be American swine who doesn't know much, but I do know there was two islands and one of them is part of UK, and one of them is part of the EU, and they're very different. I don't know the rivalry between the two. I wish I knew more about that. I will yes. do that. One day, one day later, but yeah, it's it's a little chunk in the in the east, and uh, where I think he he said uh, it's a it's a place he says this is the kind of place Morse he's saying about in every day is like Sunday, so uh, it used to be very prosperous. There's a you know um, dock town, mm-hmm. I don't know what the seaside town is probably a better way to put that. Uh, yeah, it used to be used, used to be blue collar. Yeah, 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 exactly. Sailors used to be very nice, not nice, you know. Did well, but I guess uh, not so much lately. Uh, but it is interesting because um, there's so many like little towns in England that that seem out of a out of like a fucking out of, out of fiction or Morrissey songs or Morrissey songs or Bloodborne or Bloodborne. I find it fascinating. <laughs> I find it fascinating and kind of creepy, but uh, just because I haven't spent time there. Uh, what the fuck are we talking about anyway? Talking about Catherine. Will. Yeah, some of the. Cites the Sex Pistols and the Damned, while Haas does. Yeah. For inspiration. Yeah, that's not so surprising. It's a, uh, you know, they are in the area, and then yeah, it makes sense they would get into stuff like Joy Division and the Cure. Yep, yep. Check out our Joy Division episode. Very fun. Very fun. Um, what else is going on? They uh would record two EPs. First one being She's My Friend. Mm. And uh, according to Haas, that bought out all the A&R guys from uh, different record labels. Yeah, put a, uh, Peel put them up too, right? 
and yeah, that led to them um, doing the the peel sessions. So this things happen very fast for this band. It seems like it, and uh, it's, it's jumping ahead a little bit, but like I, that's one thing that Rob said a lot, where everything happened fast, and then he didn't really. I don't know, smell the roses. You just kind of like, he was too worried about the next thing. He just sort of, it just sort of flew by. Didn't enjoy the journey. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fucking shame. Um, but yeah, would lead to them being signed to Fontana records, which was the division of Phillips, which is now part of universal. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Cause now there's only like four studios. That's horrific. There's maybe a little more, but like mainstream. I know, but it's yeah. horrific. That's just, everything is just it's the same by, with mo- it's movies. The same with movies. Yeah. It's the same with everything. It's fucking horrific. There is going to be, oh god, it's just, <laughs> it's just so bad for art. It's just unbelievably bad for art. Oh god damn it! But and then yeah, that uh, kind of leads us into their their first album. Yeah, pretty much. There's not a whole lot, a lot of backstory other than just like little counts of just. I mean, we basically talked about everything. I mean, yeah. He, according to Haas, at least, he was a fucking big fan of Peel, and that was a big deal getting put on Peel, uh, uh, getting played by Peel. And what was it? Uh, no, that's that's basically it. Write ups and and Emmy, Emmy, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's I mean, like he guess, said it moved real fast for them. So it almost feels weird that we don't have more to fucking jabber on about because usually we take like a half hour of just talking about nothing and then about the band. And then I was like, All right, I guess well, sometimes we have like attachments growing up with the band. Yeah, this is just a straight up, straight yeah, up raw new suit. Yeah, exactly. New to us. All right. Well, let's might as well fucking jump into it. So in their uh, fairly reasonable discography, they have uh, only five albums. First one came out in 1992. Last one, 2000. And if you ready, I'm ready. Hell yes. This is 1992's Ferment. I do love this song. This is a great opening track. Great opening track. And it, very shoegazy. Yes, it it is shoegazy, but I think some riffs like that kind of set them apart. A little bit, yeah. I think they have a little more like pop sensibilities than a a band like Slow Dive or My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, and it's not shoegazy, you know. Yes. It's still very much like a a rock band. They're not like trying to blow your eardrums out. Yeah. Or maybe they are, but... That's one thing about this album more so than every other album. Rob here just sounds like a British guy. Yeah. Later on, he gets a really cool distinctness to his voice and really great harmonies. Mm-hmm. But here, he's just like a British dude. Yeah. And then again, very of the time, not in a bad way, but yes. it does. It does feel like 1992. Yeah. All right. So I was uh I was very on board with that track. So was I. Yeah. It's uh it's a good good ass album. 
Uh, I think it's a good album. I think it's one of the obviously one of the better ones, but I don't love it. I don't love it. I don't love it. Pleasantly surprised after that, then I do my reading, see who the producer is. Oh, indeed. Tim, I don't know how to say Tim Freeze Green of Talk Talk. Talk Talk. Check out that episode. It's a band we fucking love. Yeah, that Talk Talk was fun band. This, that was one of my favorite episodes we've done. This because of how all over they are. So yeah. I'm like, oh, this band is in good company already after that song and this producer. I gotta move my fucking laptop. God damn it. Um, yeah, so they do kind of dip their their toes into other genres. Like you have I Wanna Touch You, which feels like the guitar solo specifically feels more like psychedelic classic rock. They the, when they go their their guitar solos are just straight up guitar solos. They're not like they're not shoegazy, they're not like indie or or grungy or like minimal they're fucking rock solos sometimes they're completely different from the rest of the song and it's kind of impressive that it yeah it's pretty consistent throughout their career yeah the the guitar work is always very very well done uh this i mean this is the shoegaze album this is the one that people call the shoegaze album and it definitely fits that for the most part Mostly in, I mean, you heard it shiny as fuck, mm-hmm. super duper shiny, bright production, very ringy, very uh, ethereal. If you uh, into that, I mean, it's cool. Um, I'm not like a huge shoegaze guy. Uh, and this is, it, it felt really just more 90s to me than, than shoegaze. Mm-hmm. Like so much of it, it's like, she's my friend, which is like one of the earlier songs. I mean, it's so damn ninety. I love the guitar tone. It's very watery. Uh, and it has some some great sections there and i like the song a lot but it's just so fucking 90s yeah yeah i think the things that kind of stood out to me was when it starts getting noisy and doing some distortion stuff um like indigo is blue or um or indigo blue or sorry yeah uh yeah and then bill and ben like uh, those two, that uh-huh. was towards oh yeah the yeah end. yeah they're both very 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 shoegazy yes you got timestamp in there uh for i have one for bill and ben i do Ooh. you looking at my notes i don't know i saw you pulling up your phone you should you should well i wanted to confirm that uh oh that was the song you're talking about yes because sometimes autocorrect does me dirty and i mispronounce all right right all right so uh yeah around 235 if you're playing along at home uh kind of picks up some speed and gets real noisy and i dig it so shoegazy yeah i mean i guess these are the sections that'll ruin your hearing live yeah it's still rad And it's not, it may sound like you just shoved a bunch of noise at you, but this is very... It feels so good when it comes on in the song. It does. And also, this is very different from the other songs yeah. on the album. Like, they don't, they don't go into that bag of tricks yeah, tri- the cr- and on other songs. Yeah, with so. the crazy wah pedals and the distortions. and That's, uh, like, exclusive to that song. Yeah. And I think that helps build out the album and make songs stand out it's also like the final third of the song too so it, it yes. yeah it kind of builds up to that um only two t- only two songs i really don't care much for are flower to hide and tumble down both come come after each other um flower to hide's more on the like 
just like rock inside. I find it to be, it's not terrible. I, I, it's like the first average song for me on the album. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, it's not terrible. Um, like, and, and again, like, even though I found it to be my, the first moment in the album where I don't like, I don't care for it much. If you're not into this thing, that moment came for you immediately. <laughs> like, I don't. This is this is not like a, a a converter band. I don't feel like, like if you're not into this '90s kind of shit, you are not on board. Oh yeah, yeah. This is you like these noises. Not that it's like all noise, but like kind of you like the genre of music, or or you don't. Um, I found the the subject matter on Black Metallic very interesting. Would that? It's about love, darkness, uh, difficulties of dealing with a love interest. Uh, Dickinson is a fan of cars. So there's like car metaphors. And for the five people who have seen it, uh, and I wonder if if Bruce Dickinson or sorry, not Bruce, Rob, Rob Rob (laughs) has seen a little movie called Titan where a woman fucks a car and gets pregnant. That's not spoiler. That's, that's in, the premise. That's the premise. It's it. Ha, what happens when she gets pregnant? That's that's the interesting stuff. Oh, 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 I could do a whole episode about that movie, but that that's not what we're here. I have I've never heard of that. This is the first time I heard of it. It's it's very wild. It's very so that song that song should have been in the fucking movie. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. That that song. So it does go on very. Long. It's seven minutes, but by because it was seven minutes, that's how it won me over. Like it, enough it things opposite for you. Enough things happened in it where I was like, "Fuck that!" That's there's too many cool things piling up. I just mm-hmm. it just won me over. But it also was the first uh, like indicator of like, "Oh, this is a band of the time." Uh, the album has the sequencing of an early '90s album, where like that third track going to that tempo and going to that like bring it, bring the energy down that much. It's such an early nineties thing. Like you mm-hmm. just look at, I mean, obvious example is never mind. You look at track three and never mind. It's like the same kind of, it's the same flow to it. Uh, also, also I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but um, we always talk about like album bands, which I didn't realize was a confusing statement until oh yeah. a friend of the podcast, Ben yeah. asked us about it. Um, and then Later on, we'll get to a quote where I think David says, like, yeah, we were like the one of the last eras of being like an album band. Yep. So it's cool. Like they are actually thinking about these things yep. being you think about. Yeah, it's always it's always noticeable, too, when when they are like that, because if if you could put an album on shuffle and it doesn't make a difference, that's not an album band. Exactly. <laughs> not, yeah, this is it's a very different thing yes helps paint a full picture beginning to end even if that full picture is not pretty all the time it's still yes better to me than listening to one song so uh i so another the another problem i have with this album as well as i have with m- almost every album they are lengthy albums yes they are all an hour except for the last one and th- at least mo- most of them in my opinion don't end that well. I mean, I like the song Balloon. It's the closer. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's more 90s rock and goodness. But, and especially love the vocal harmonies in there, which is like a sign of things to come. But with an album this big and long, like you expect something a little, it just, it feels like it could have been put in the middle somewhere. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a closer. It's just a fine song that they ended the album with. And I feel like that, that way for a lot of their albums. I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, these were... We're talking about five albums here, but 
for the most part, an hour of music on each one, yeah. which is it's not, it's dense. It's, yeah, it's not insignificant at all. Um, and also, like again, like if you like this, you'll like it. Every song basically feels the same. They're not going crazy in different moods or directions. Not, you're not going to get some crazy dark song out of nowhere. It's all pretty much the same uh, '90s alt rock kind of stuff, uh, which is great if you like it. And I happen to like it. Yes, uh, it's definitely more interesting than some like American alt rock bands that were more popular. Yeah, a lot of time. stuff didn't age too well. It's dated in a bad way, we'd say. Uh, Haas, in uh, response to this album being hailed as a you know shoegaze type thing, says I'm not big on pigeonholing bands and or albums, but I'm happy with Ferment being classified as a shoegaze album. It's, it's, it's cited often enough to in top shoegaze albums, so it has to be right. I get where the term came from. Bands like uh, bands statue like on stage, heads down, trying to step on the right guitar pedal through the dark and dry ice. Uh, we were never like that live, but on record, Ferment has its feet in the shoegaze genre. I suppose that's fair enough. Seems like a nice guy. Yeah, it seems like yeah. a nice guy. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah. Cool That's, debut. It's the only really shoegazy one we're going to get, uh, but we got a whole another band coming up. So hell yeah. if you ready. Ready. Hell yes. This came out the following year. This is 1993's Chrome. I was so blown away by that guitar because this is I different. Different. And as soon as I heard this vocal line, I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. In. Um... The way this album kicks off in this song reminds me a bit of uh, Depeche Mode's I Feel You. Ah, interesting. So, because um, to me, that song was such a departure. And it's more heavy, yeah. much like this is. This, this is pretty heavy. Oh, man. And then, yeah, I almost wondered if this was just an outlier. Was the rest of the album going to keep this up? Yep. Thankfully, it does. It does. I was worried about the same thing. This is a great opener. Killer riff. And already, we're already getting way more vocal harmonies. Yes. Even standard, standard lines. They're yes. always there. This feels more like... Not to throw the previous album under the bus, but this feels like there's some more, some more meat. Yep. It's gonna feel so Solid shit. Solid stuff. Love it. Love that song. Are, are we going to come together right now? Best personal favorite. Best personal favorite. This album fucking rules, dude. It's so, like, <clears throat> I I listened to it. I was like, oh, shit. This is probably going to get it, yeah. maybe. And then, uh, yeah, it just held, it held on to it. Held it. Yeah, this was, uh, I was sold first listen, and I was excited to go back and went back more than I needed to. I do love this album quite a bit. I think every song fucking rules. Yes, this was a uh, a hard add to my music library. Yeah. So. Hell yeah. I mean, it's got 
Great pacing. I confess, immediately brings keeps up that energy. Uh, oh, a little, so, little bit of shoegaziness in there, a little teensy bit, not it, not to the level we heard before, but yeah, some of the riffs also made me think of Fugazi. There's a, like, a lot of grungy grunginess there in there. Is, yeah. yeah, it's very cool. And it, as you heard from the opener, it is they're a heavier band now. And apparently, according to Haza, uh, he stated like live they were heavy, like they yes. were a big, loud, heavy band. It just didn't translate to the records in the same way, which is interesting. What a, oh, I think it's interesting how Crank is the single because it's one of the weaker songs. I I don't mind it. It's 90s as hell. Yeah, I don't. It's also it, is, it, it is, is one of the weaker ones, though. I do see how like of the time someone's like, we can market this song. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Especially in 93. Uh, Broken Head is one of my favorite songs of theirs. Hell. It is so fucking. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite guitar solos. And there's a lot of basically every song has a guitar solo. And that's one of my favorites. Killer guitar work on the whole album. This is where they, they really start like kind of uh, cranking it up. Uh, pardon the pun. But Broken Head was like the first one I was like, man, this it's such a simple bass line, but it's so damn effective. Mm-hmm. Simple as shit. It's like a couple notes and it just it's so goddamn driving. Uh you got some more emotion stuff, a bigger, heavy emotion with pain, which is very anthemic. Soul is all over the place. That one felt a little wimpier to me compared to the the rest of the album. Really? Really? I mean, it is it is very emotional. Yeah. So. Uh, what else? Strange Fruit, not a Nina Simone cover. More more rockin' than it is heavy, though. Yeah, it's very it's a, it's back to some shininess. I mean, this is like the last shiny album they'll have. Um with the first with the debut being the most of course but strange fruit definitely feels like a break mm-hmm. like the first big break in the album it's it's shorter it's more straightforward it's not bad at all but it um high energy but just a break from like the yeah the, yeah the giant stuff then we get to the title track and it's this back to our regular scheduled program and it it feels so good so many great vocal overdubs and harmonies uh and i don't know and like also i mean you could say it about a lot of the stuff but their use this band's use of feedback is top notch. Yes. I'm also, I'm really glad you caught these like vocal harmonies because I was just so being new to it, drawn to the guitars. Oh, really? And so now I have something when I go back, cause yeah. I will be listening to this album right mm-hmm. again. So now I'm like, Oh, I can catch this. They're really, they're, they're, they're really strong harmonies and, and they're not just like, they're they're in and out. They come up in little places. It's it, there's you feel how much time and thought went into it. It's mm-hmm. like it's it's a very beautifully done, uh, and, all, and basically all the albums I could say that about the vocals. Um, th- so, what what is the one we get to spend a lot of time on? It, Fripp? Are we spend a lot of time talking about Fripp? <laughs> so I don't really have much to say about Fripp because I'm like, oh, it's called Fripp. Is this about Robert Fripp? And it may be. It may be. But I'm like, is it going to sound like King Crimson? And it, uh, it's more Pink Floyd than King Crimson. Yeah, yeah. but it's kind of stays in first gear. Um, very long. It's very moody, jammy. It's got some. Uh, I, I don't know. It's a very minimal. I think it's fucking beautiful. Yeah, it's it's fine. I don't I don't love it. I don't hate it. All right, all right, all right. All right. What I do love. What what that? Ursa Major. Oh, Ursa Major Space Station. That's the most metal thing ever. It's just. Such a great main riff. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love that song. Uh, just bring in the heavy biscuits. That was, uh, 
but that song was like, man, this album is good. <laughs> like, yes. it, yeah, and that's like towards the end. It's at the yeah, it's yeah. at the tail end of it. And again, this is a fucking long album. This is not a short album. But it ends with Half Life and Show Me Mary, which are both so poppy, especially Show Me Mary. Mm-hmm. But and I do think it's a weak close, just like the the the, uh, the debut. But I still like it's only it's only weak compared to like these epic ass songs that came before it. Yes, uh, I still dig it. Uh, Half Life, sorry, Half Life um, has some awesome moments. Builds into. It has amazing build. It builds into greatness. Mm. Is what it does. That's a good way to describe it. I, I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. The, the songwriting on this fucking thing is, is just absolute killer. And some of the buildup on all these songs is just fuck, man. Beastly. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. That's a fucking album. It's a fucking album. Uh, <laughs> dude, it's, I mean, yeah. Super 90s. It won't be for everyone, but it, it is so well done in what it's doing. And then I would also say this one does have a little more crossover appeal because like I was, I was talking about how heavy it is and maybe not like a standard metal head, but maybe like your metal friends who like some of the more like uh i i don't want to say death heaven but you know maybe maybe someone who listens to like a opeth or uh-huh. uh, a band like that i think might get a kick out of this album it's worth a shot at least at the very least um, or, or dare i even say a porcupine tree fan let's not invoke their name <laughs> lest they find us <laughs> It's like Voldemort. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They who should not be listened to ever again. Uh, so they asked uh, they asked David David Hawes about the transition from the, the first album to this one. He says, the main thing I remember when going to record Chrome was that we didn't just want to make Ferment 2. They didn't. Uh, and through continually touring between Ferment and going into record, record Chrome, we had evolved into a harder sounding band. It just seemed like a natural process. So Chrome turned into a harder sounding album. And I think Gil Norton was a perfect producer for us at that point in time. Uh, we went in with the songs well rehearsed and I really enjoyed recording Chrome, especially doing it in Britannia Row Studios where Joy Division had recorded closer. Mm, nice. Mm, mm. Very nice. Uh, it's good company. So this is also interesting. We should, we could start talking about it here because it's the first time where he shows up. Storm Thorgerson, uh, he designed all of the Catherine Real covers starting from this one to the mm-hmm. end, and they are striking covers. Oh yeah, yeah. The like eyeball with the little what was that like metal things on that first album? No, no, no. He didn't do the first album. Oh, he so sorry. So, 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 from, from Chrome, from so. Chrome onward, it, it's with the the models, the models and the oh, poses, okay. like the and. I find them to be very fascinating. It's clearly very on the, you know, whippy dippy pretentious mm-hmm. kind of artsy type of side, but it is like, they're, they're visually appealing. Like, especially the following album, which I think is a crazy album cover. Uh, but they're, they're very interesting. And according to our boy, Tom, uh, which I didn't fucking know. So, this is from Tom. He says, if you think you recognize the style of illustration, that's because his graphic art group, uh, Hi- Hypnosis, Hypnosis, uh, designed some of the most iconic album covers of the time, including Sid Barrett's The Madcap Laughs, the first ELO album, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, Led Zeppelin, House of the Holy. And then he says, but wait, there's more. 1974, Peter Christofferson of Throbbing Gristle and later Psychic TV and Coil joined the group. Uh, hypnosis uh it was this day job that largely funded his crazy musical explorations and the gravitational pull of coil cannot be resisted it's coming <laughs> he really wants us to cover coil and i honestly do too on it but it, it, it's a it would be a big episode 
Uh, dude, this fucking guy did House of the Holy. I mean, the first Yellow album, which I, which my favorite albums of all time. Mm-hmm. Madcap Laughs, which all these covers I've always like. These like great covers stay with you. Yeah, like the Madcap Laughs. I've always loved that cover, and I couldn't mm-hmm. really pinpoint why. It's just Sid Barrett's, you know, like crouching and like the. Cr- it's weird. But it, it's a great shot. It like captures his his character kind of. In a weird way it does. It's very like minimal. It's just him by himself in mm. this empty room. And yeah, what the just, album was. This like nails Sid Barrett's in a way. Totally. And then these these covers, I mean they're so unusual. Uh it's like something you'd see at a ballet. Yeah, I dig it. Um I'm sure the album covers it reminds me of are ones he's done already. I think like Echo and the Bunny Men probably have like a few covers that mm-hmm. make me think of this. Interesting. Uh, but anyway, both of our Chrome, yeah, both of our best and personal favorites. It's a fucking fantastic record. Uh, consistent as shit. Heavy, satisfying, wonderfully arranged. Y'all gotta hear it. If you like 90s, you'll like this. There's no way. There's no way you can. Uh, but we have a few more. Mm-hmm. So this is 1995's Happy Days. This threw me. Oh yeah, for an even cricket <laughs> bigger like one. There we go. It's a very metal main riff. I was wrong, lower. I forgot it gets that much louder. <laughs> um, I don't love everything on this album, but I think this is a rad song. This is a great song, and I agree, yeah. Could have been an Alice in Chains song or something like that. In a way, not quite as dirty, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deep inside. It does feel grungy. It does. It does feel mid ninety. And then yeah, I was like, oh shit, is this gonna be is this gonna be my but very quickly I learned. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm starting to love Rob's voice. Like this, these this is where I think the vo- the whole vocal harmony starts to really like amp it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like the this song. I was like, I didn't realize I, that the mid '90s had a sound until yes. I heard this this album. Worst, least favorite. Ri- yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa. So this is not. I wouldn't call this a good album, but I thought this album was like interesting. It is interesting. At it's not the a very good, least. It's not a bad album. I like this band, and I think this yeah. is a fine album. I think is easily the weakest for me and this is where i start disagreeing with the world because this is one of the ones that people love and do people i think uh, i'm pretty sure fans like this one uh and i do think this quote rob has is fucking insane so so this is what rob said uh, about this album he says it's it's the nearest we've come to making an album that's representative of how we are that doesn't make any sense Uh, but uh, that's that's the thing who they were (laughs) it's so what like because you, 
I mean, I guess it must have been. I mean, the thing is, you always just what the band thinks or what the band is trying to do uh, compared to what the people hearing it get. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're just not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, I can't say if that's good or bad. It's just a thing. It's just a thing. Uh, he says, yeah, when people see us live, when see, people see us play live, they understand that the band is a quite different thing when it plays live than the last two records were. That's what we wanted to do with this one uh, is get some of the intensity of the band as it performs. So if the record sounds tougher in parts, that's what we wanted to reflect. And I mean, it's a heavier album. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a, a few interesting things that, that start to take shape here. One I mean, they're in both good and bad ways or good in ways I don't love. Good, and they're bringing way more instruments down. They got fucking strings now. They got more organs. I was going to say, the production on this, Ooh, real juicy. good. Juicy. Real good. Yeah. Uh, and then they introduce our your favorite instrument, the harmonica. There we go. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, I like how they do it here. And I don't think they'd overdo it so much because, for one, it's super distorted. It doesn't go full... You know, blues traveler, whatever the fuck. <laughs> uh, it's still very much Catherine Wheel, and it's still uh, mid. I'm mean, still '90s, and it's still you know very deep and uh, thorough. I don't know how many out that makes any sense at all. But uh, what we got here? So on one track, I think well, it, I guess while you're still on the harmonica. Oh, fizzy love, fizzy love. That's the one. That's the one. Uh, so the middle of this album is very mundane and boring. I like the opening track and then the tracks towards the end. It gets a little rough for me. Yeah, I don't I don't love I, I mean I don't like Fizzy Love very much. I still I mean it still has moments I do like in it. It's insane. The home rock feels invasive. <laughs> I'm just gonna I, say that. I feel like his singing is crazy on there. Uh the harmonica is crazy. There's fucking porn guitars. It's just I think I have to play it. All I don't right, know. I right. don't know if we're going to get to all that, but just to give people a, a, little, a little taste. taste. Yeah, because it is extremely bluesy. That's some fucking pulp shit right there. <laughs> this is the kid's most British performance, for sure. This song is fucking insane. Oh, man. I mean, it was a joke song. Well, not a joke song, but... Oh, yeah, he says it. I think yeah. it's funny. I don't love it, but I still think it's fucking kind of charming. Uh, and there's a lot of songs. I mean, he he made a point about emphasizing the humor on this album, and they are there. I mean, "Eat My Dust, You Insensitive Fuck" is probably one of the funniest song titles I've heard in a minute. Yeah, and I do like the song. Uh, it's eight minutes. All right, it's very, it's very, it's pretty beefy, but it really fucking pulls you into a vibe. And those those are wild harmonicas that can get behind. I like them. Yes. They, I mean they they're they're super distorted and they, they do sound really cool. And it the rest of the song it brings things way down and it, it it's 
It's fucking cool. I think that it's <laughs> like the the song from the first album. Uh, I think the the length is in you need you need the length for it to kind of lull, lull you into that mm. into the its own little world there i dig it i dig it a lot the album mostly this lulls me to sleep uh hi uh, uh little muscle was like i was like okay this is bad i'm not cool with little muscle uh i think it has something it has some cool instruments in there it has some i like the vocal harmonies it has some i think like a lap steel in there at some point um but other than that it's like a standard rocker I'm not very mm-hmm. into it uh speaking of standard rockers r- receive that could this be a bush song oh man i kind of liked it Do you? <laughs> it's it's not a bad song it's not it's again this song is not for everyone and that song is a is a fine example of that i think mm-hmm. that it has some really great moments in that song in there <laughs> it's a very 90s main riff it i does. will give you that it does and then i was a little disappointed at judy staring at the sun yeah uh, that's they, where we get um because they bring in uh tanya donnelly of throwing muse belly and the breeders yeah but like it's just like why it doesn't really add anything to the song also they asked i think they asked most of her her vocal lines they only kept her on the chorus oh that would make sense then if she did more and then yeah so i mean it was all ultimately a creative decision like they just decided to do that to do that because they seem to enjoy working with her uh rob says um about, about, about working with her. He says, we actually did our part separately. I did my bits in England and then me and Gil flew to Fort Apache in Boston and Tanya did all her parts in about six hours. Then we took it back to England and pulled it apart, put it back together. It's kind of a disjointed way of doing it, but it worked out very well. So like, there was, that seems like they just wanted the vocals only on the chorus or I'm, I'm assuming she recorded more than that, but, and that's, that's it. That's the only time she's on the album. It's it. It's odd. It feels, it feels it's stranger because when you you only hear that distinct voice on one song, you already you were like, okay, guest guest vocalist. It's a song with a guest. But then when you only hear the vocals on one part of the song, it's like, wait, it's why is that more? It's very yeah. strange. Uh, whatever, she's on it. Yep, yep. Uh, so the reason why I'm giving this worst, it's the the length and the sameness coupled together, just is unbearable it just fucking beat I me get, to the ground i get that you get fucking shocking love tips up and judy staring at the sun all in a row and i am fucking out i'm just asleep man like it's not that they're, they're bad it's like they're fucking they're nice but it's it's also just they feel the same they're they, they all it, nothing sticks out and uh i i start to like quest, again I, I fall into that thing where like is this actually good and i'm just exhausted or is this boring and then i hear a different album like oh that was just boring because they are good yeah i Uh, have that thought too and really it's only like three or four songs that saved save this from getting and i'm I'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna try and guess some of those i don't know i i like hole i don't know if that's one of yours but i do like that one i think it has an annoyingly generic chorus but i do like like the song a lot I love the drumming on that, but no, I think it's mundane. The songs I like are the ones we've talked about. Got okay, so then then I have Umbridge. Yeah. I must find Umbridge. I must take Umbridge, and I will give Umbridge because Kill My Soul, I think, is it's so the best song on the album that it's fucking weird. No, I, 
I thought that was like up there with fizzy love where I just found it so amusing and funny. I found it to be, it's like so much better than every song on the album, just in every possible way. I adore that song. Yeah. I think it's one of their best closers, if not their best closer. And it's so good that it fucking almost tricks me into thinking I like the whole album. <laughs> like that's how much I love that song. It's it's so weird. No, once those songs kicked in, I was like, what are, what are they doing on this album? Because the opener, Fizzy, and uh, what were Kill My Soul, like, I don't know. They don't really have any business being on here and maybe maybe insensitive fuck oh yeah yeah um, just take those four songs they yeah. are the most distinct for sure yeah those are the four songs that kind of save this from from any bad accolades for me all the stuff in the middle is it's really ma- mundane is what made me uh yeah. I, I couldn't could ignore it but goddamn that closer is just what i want what i yeah. wanted uh, if i get there i had a whole, whole album of like that this would be best i mean if it, if it ended here i would i would give it okay but it doesn't end. we got a couple more we got a couple more so my worst least favorite but we still ain't done is there anything else to add um, i think we covered the main i think there's a oh a few more things we can we can talk about um with this time period mm-hmm. um let's see yeah, this is where we talked about it a, a little bit um, in the beginning where Rob, I think it was Rob who said it, um, where they were the, the last few album bands. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, I think the actual quote is, um, we were one of the last few album bands through the gate before they shut the doors and that kind of behavior. Bands who made expensive records with expensive tours and we didn't sell that many records. And we were still allowed to do it again because in some sense they were investing in the future, with the, which they were. And we had a very good manager. He was very persuasive. Like, Good for them. So that's one important thing about the band. They made expensive. These are expensive albums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like these were like you. I mean, they sound great. And then especially if you pick apart all the stuff happening in the mix. And you bring in these like great producers. Yeah. And they didn't. For one, like they weren't a fucking. They weren't exactly the most famous or money making. it. And now that thought is like. It's baffling like that. That that would never happen. It would never happen again. Also, the amount of things you can do at home on a budget are a little more, way more, not even a little, way more. They're way, way better. You can do way better at home, but still not. Not to that sounds like this clean and like you were saying, shiny. And unless you have like some some money behind you. Um, But this is what Tom says about the whole situation. He says, there's a, he says that this is a very different era in terms of, of the record industry and the financial investments when compared to today, which is 100% true. It says Creation Records is another example of a label where we're chucking bad money after good, uh, bad money at good bands on their roster. Uh, after signing Oasis, uh, label owner Alan McGee probably got a bit carried away. Edward Ball, for instance, was getting color ads in Enemy and expensive music videos with all sorts of cameos in the mid '90s. Who's Edward Ball, you ask? Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, this was just the time period of just sh- fucking dumping at- money on bands that weren't going to bring it back. Yeah, I think everyone also, if they weren't from Seattle, still kind of wanted that. That they wanted that Nirvana money, and they thought. All every, these bands were going to 
Yeah, well, even if they don't sound like Nirvana, they're like, well, what if it's like the new thing? That's how bands like fucking Shut Up to Think got uh, signed. Oh yeah, and like who? I forgot we did that band. That was uh, a while ago. But yeah. like, it's just a band that would never get signed. Like, holy not shit. these days. No way, no way. It's crazy. But anyway, let's move on. We got a couple more. This is 1997's Adam and Eve. Skipping the intro, going to Future Boy. I, in fact, hate the intro, so I'm glad. <laughs> I think it's just real short, anyways. It's just so bluesy. It's slide guitar, insanely bluesy. But this is a very different kind of opener than we've had. Yes. Ever. Less two, kind of heavy. This one more psychedelic bluesy um you know we got some quotes coming up here about the talk talk influence which talk talk which if you're a band let me just don't try to recreate talk talks last two albums you can't i well they basically invented post rock with their last two albums but like out of the way those albums were formed, it's just like... It is very... They were not made easily. No, no. But those drums, that snare sound really reminds me of Talk Talk. Again. Production is killer on this guy. Killer. I do like the, you know, spacey, dreamy guitar work on here, but the tons of psychedelic fucking layers, dude. The rest is just meh. I like the song. I think it's very nice. I actually really like this song. <laughs> and by the way, like, uh, Tim Freeze Green, Green is basically like their organist, piano guy on all their albums. Yeah. As soon as he, he came in the picture, which is the Talk Talk influence. If that is what you need, a cinematic life. I love his core changes, they're so original. Come along to set you free. Don't fear. But does it does it not sound like late nineties? Oh, it, there, there's one song that I, I noted that sounds very of the time, and depending on your taste, it's a hit or miss. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love how you think it's going to go big, and it fucking goes, ooh, no, it goes just slightly, Bass. it goes barely a little bit up. That's super talk talk. That's so talk talk. Is it weird? Hearing your admiration for the song, I've kind of turned around on it. I hope so. That's what yeah. I hope to do. Yeah. Because there are little things, little things that just you really gotta like really pay attention and like be in the right headspace for it. Otherwise, it, it won't work. So much of liking music is being in the right mood for it. Yes. So, as you can hear, this is a very different opener. It's it's very long. It goes on for a while. It has a lot of buildup. 
And uh, yeah, I was not in the right headspace then. This is my worst, least favorite. Uh, interesting. I'm really happy the, that it's this one and not another one. <laughs> <laughs> this one, this one broke me. I, really? Yeah. This was. I think it's really fucking boring. Oh, Although wow. maybe I just need to listen to it with Mike. Um, <laughs> maybe. It's just. Oh man, like. I was, I took a break in the middle of this album and I came back and I was like, I'm still fucking bored. It does have to be for, I mean, also you weren't a fan of which talk talk one was it? It was the, the second to last one. Um, oh was yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. It was, a. was it, um, laughing stock? I, I need to look at, I'm looking at their later albums, but you're going to find, no, it was spirit of Eden. Spirit, Spirit of Eden, Eden, that was the yes. one you didn't like, because Laughingstock is the last one, I believe. Yes, Laughingstock I found more... Um, it was more post-rocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Laughingstock, I could... Spirit, Spirit of Eden, Eden, that's just kind of it was really more, experimental. Very minimal. Yeah, yeah. They're both minimal, but that one is more so. Um, but, so the Talk Talk influence is... It's not only obvious when you hear it, it is it was in deep into the making of this record. It's like they wanted. Uh so David Hawes has a lot to say about this because this is this will be his last album with also, the band. This is his favorite album? What? Apparently it's his favorite. Uh he says there he says, I think we were at a musical peak and Rob and Brian were writing amazing tunes. Uh again, it just shows how much different that what the band feels from what the listener feels just interesting. Um, so they asked him if, uh, if the band was intentionally trying to go for a talk, talk sound. He says, I was alone in the band when it came to talk, talk. I never knew their stuff that much except the hits, but Rob, Brian and Neil were huge fans and were obviously overjoyed when Tim approached us to record for Uh, he says uh, the latter day albums, such as Clara spring, which is my best and personal favorite, uh, and laughing stock. I went high rotation on the tour bus in regards to, to Adam and Eve. The fact Tim played keyboards on songs like Thunderbird makes it hard not to conjure up talk talk. Uh, but other than that, it, it didn't seem like he was a, you know, big talk talk man. So much so. Okay. I should this. I'm going to say it. I'm getting a little head. When he, he got kicked. Did he get kicked? He didn't get kicked okay. out for not okay. liking talk talk. Uh, our boy Tom yeah, yeah. says, sounds like Sounds like he got kicked out because he wasn't in a talk talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly, I'm cool with that. Um, <laughs> you should like talk talk because he bought up Thunderbird. Uh, yeah, I obviously I don't like it, but the the drums sound great. So fucking good. They're spacious. It's very ride heavy. Uh, the the most characteristic part of the song for sure. Mm -hmm. It's moody so, and it's jammy, but I do I think it works. I like the song. Drums real dope on that. Um, so the song that's very like 1997 is delicious, delicious. And yeah, depending on your tastes, if, if you like that, I'm going to play it because yeah. I can't find the words to describe 1997. It's Spice Girls in this. <laughs> Like was this? Oh, the drums! The drums fucking sealed it. <laughs> I don't know if this was a single, but I feel like it could have been. It feels very singly. I guess you know. Uh, we bought up the breeders earlier. I could see this like. It was the single. Fucking! I could just feel it in my bones. I like it. <laughs> I 
it's so straightforward. Yeah. Hold on, we need to get to one of the quieter parts. Now we're just... You know what? Let's let, let's let it get to okay. one of the quieter parts. Okay. That, those, like, telephone vocals, too, is also very... Yeah. Very yes. mid-90s. These... I love these. These quiet parts with those those female spoken word vocals. I just like it. Okay, oh, it goes back we, to super super yeah, 90s. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's a good song. It's very regular. It is such a regular <laughs> 90s pop rock kind of thing. But uh, I love those little quiet parts. Broken Nose, I just... Fuck that song! I don't really. Like, I don't like it. Oh wow! That, see, that, that's that's I, fair enough because yeah. this album has some of the best production. It has some of the the greatest textures. It's very. It's so beautifully done, I, but it isn't going to win over skeptics. And I'm, that is more of the same like alt rock standard stuff. I'm fine with it, but I I, I see it. I see yeah, where yeah. others wouldn't be. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna listen to this album with Mike in a year from now. I'm gonna be like, ooh, really regret that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe, but I I, I but, do get a, I do get it because this is my second least favorite album. Yes, to I, me to me the worst like the worst song is um I didn't even write down the whole thing. Phantom of the oh uh, the American Mother. Yes, that is just the worst most boring thing they've ever done in my opinion really? listen i don't like it I, I don't like the song i think it's well done in what it is it's mm-hmm. very anthemic it's very much and it also has a, the characteristic of the late 90s the big breaks that cut to a uh, solo acoustic guitar yep we think it's gonna get really big and it cuts to it just, yeah it cuts to that one guitar so 90s so 90s i worked on the first on the first song where yeah. they did the feedback and then yes yeah but it does it a lot in the album, really yeah. but there it does it a fucking lot and it's it's also not that original and not the greatest chord changes it's i see people liking it it has that again like anthemic quality to it it's very epic uh i don't like it and the same goes for uh masa latuda very emotional acoustic driven and, and it's so similar to phantom of the american mother yeah and they come right after each other it's just like it's pretty exhausting i think that song's a little different um <clears throat> there's some like cool noise things towards the end and also y'all know i love robot vocals so i was just like why are there not robot vocals on the whole song it's a good question i don't know the answer i say that about every song that is um so sticks (laughs) so that song worked a little bit better for me and then i think another song that like made me hate this was I am not a fan of the Silver Sun pickups. Like, I kind of hate them, although that may be a little too strong. And then the song Satellite comes on. (laughs) And I'm like, holy shit. They, Silver Sun pickups, based their entire career around this one fucking song. I don't mind it. I haven't listened to them at least in a long fucking time, so I have no standing. But... It, it's fine. It's nothing special. It's poppy. It's too long, honestly, but it's nice. A lot it's of things nice. are fucking too long. This is a long fucking album. Every I, song is I like... I almost wonder if the songs were shorter, if that would have helped it. Well, I don't know, because... Because in the past, I think, I, in the past I've said, like, oh, the, the length helped the mm-hmm. song. I don't feel that way 
on a lot of songs here because mo- averaging about five minutes a pop plus the two seven minute songs that come they're, they're, that are back to back the first of which is goodbye and i am done like that album, it feels over by the time that song comes on and yeah. then you get two seven minute songs and then a closer so it's I'm a lot fucking done and i don't like it i don't think it, it warrants it's length at all. It's, a, it's a f- probably a fine song on its own, but in the context, it feels like too much. Mm-hmm. However, for Dreaming, I think is much better. Heavy, tons of buildup, very cool, very crazy dynamics. It's like it goes high and it goes real low. For that song I wrote is uh, that's like a better version of the band Bush, but a better version of Bush. God damn, damn it's got to be better than the Bush. I hate Bush. It's still just okay. Uh, I, I don't. It. I don't even hate. I, I, they're just kind of boring to me. They were. So. Yeah, that Bush to me was just like a nothing ripoff band with no personality. Whatever does go by, Oh God! Oh I, God! I know they have other songs, but they're they're the Glycerin band. Oh God! Well, I mean, I, do they have other songs? Do, I don't fucking I really know. Do. I don't. I, th- I don't. I, I can't th- say. Who's to say for sure? I think I may have even owned two albums oh, back in the day. Two shit. whole albums. Two whole Bush albums. God damn! Uh, still finding my voice when I. We got to go through those growing pains, man. Yeah, we all like Limp Bizkit. I'm not sure. <laughs> did you? Did you? I never bought any of their albums, but I did enjoy them. Inner, that's, that's, good like to know. Nine. that's good to know with your music history that even you weren't immune. Dude, to- no one's immune to the wiles of Papa Roach. Suffocation! <laughs> <laughs> no reason! Oh, oh, my God. That is that part is fun to think he's into uh what's it called? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Who says he's not? He's probably he probably is. His name is Papa Roach. His I understand his name, but it'd be a lot cooler if he if he was like a Hootie and the Blowfish thing. Yeah, I'm Papa, that's Mama Roach, that's that's cousin Roach, that's fucking nephew Roach. It's way funnier than naming yourself Kobe Dick, because I don't know when we're gonna talk about Papa Roach again. His name probably is Kobe Dick. He used to be, then he got older and he's like, Oh I'm my- Kobe Richard now. Is it's like, like Jacoby Shaddix. Still, it still is like a fake name. It I mean, still sounds... There probably are. I don't know. I, I'm guessing the guys in Papa Roach are about as deep as a puddle of mud. Ooh, two birds, one stone. That's two birds, one stone. <laughs> I'm coming for all the new metal bands today. Oh, God damn. I still watch that fucking About a Girl <laughs> video. I still watch that shit. On my on my way home, <laughs> we're going way off track. <laughs> on my way home from Mike's place, <laughs> there's a billboard for a casino out in the desert. It's about an hour and a half drive from here, called mm. Morongo. Morongo. And then usually they're they're older bands, you know, like bands you didn't even know were yeah. still alive or together, like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Holy shit! I did not know they were alive. Those these are the or it's like the Temptations, but it's like I really didn't know they were alive. It's like one original yeah. member that no one cared. About. Yeah. Um, and then they updated the billboard. The most recent attraction they have coming to the Morongo Casino. They have fucking puddle of mud. Yeah, they do. Hell we're yeah. getting old. We're getting fucking old. This is not good. This is bad. <laughs> it's real bad. This is bad. Oh shit! But unlike those those soul and funk bands I list, I think Puddle of Mud they got all. They're 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 peers at this point. Yes. Puddle of Mud, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Two two you know two yeah, peas yeah. in a pod. Oh lord, God I Almighty! Remember, but I really digress there. Anyway, 
Alex's worst least favorite. It is one of the, I think, the lesser good of the albums for sure. I, uh, it has moments that I like, but overall, I uh, probably won't be going back to this one, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> you know, I might come back to a few you might be, songs after hearing how stoked d- Mike was. Like, there's so, um, there's so, so a lot to enjoy on here, though. He, like, he's still... <laughs> he's a good salesman. I try my best. Uh, so this is, uh, yeah, this, like we said before, this is the last album with Dave or David, whatever. Um Haas. We'll say Haas. And it's not really established why he was kicked out of the band. He doesn't really know. It's the best conclusion is that he didn't like Talk Talk, but it's not confirmed. What a mensch he is, the way he raps. Dude, he's such a nice guy. He's so cool about everything. So, uh, so, so, so let's see. Okay. Um, we can talk about here or on the, on the next album. I, I think we should probably talk about it here before going on to the next one. Fair. Uh, where it, so, okay. He says, uh, how it happened. He says, I, uh, here's what happened. At least from my perspective, I say that because I've never talked to the other three about it. <laughs> now that is a weird start to a story about why you were kicked out of the band. Not, you weren't, you didn't even, they didn't even fire you in person or on the phone. You just were fired and you, okay. So he says, we finished the Adam and Eve tour. It took some time off um, to recoup. At some point, I got a phone call for me to fly back to the UK for rehearsals of what would become Wishville, which is the last album. Everything seemed business as usual, although we had been dropped by Mercury, but picked up by Sony. Uh, Tom adds that there's something a bit unclear here as the band's last two albums are listed as uh, being on Chrysalis. Um, which has a complicated owner history, but it, it appears they, they, they changed some labels from um, Adam and Eve. They, ch- they changed labels for Adam and Eve rather than Wishfield. Anyway, uh, Tim Freeze Green was back in the role producer, and I went back to the States expecting a call to say we're heading into the studio. That call never came. Instead, our manager called to say that the band had decided to split ways with me due to the old cliche of musical differences, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have any communication with any of the band members until 2008 when Rob called me about a possible reunion. Then within a matter of an afternoon, I had talked to Rob, Brian, and Neil, which was great. However, the reunion never did happen, but it felt good to be in touch with everyone again. I got an email from our manager apologizing for what had happened. Water under the bridge. Jesus Christ. If this man was salty, I would understand. Like, that's... It, he this earned man, the right to be salty. A hundred percent. This dude is going to heaven. This dude is better than all of us. Like, I mean, to not even ask for an explanation, it's like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, Water under the bridge. Dude, oh, that's so wild. But anyway, we're on the actual last album. Uh, who He was replaced by what's his fucking face who doesn't really matter that much, but we're going to say it anyway. I believe Ben Ellis. Um, but anyway... This is 2000. This is Wishville. Again, very of the times. This sounds like 2000 in a nutshell. Recent years were Having said that, I do like this song. I actually do like this song a lot. I, yeah. Recent fears the, uh, I'm going to look something up while this is playing. Because... It's so sleazy. Dude, I actually, I think I love that guitar sound. Oh, the wah pedal? Yeah. Like, that 2000s wah. 
I feel like it speaks to a certain part of my soul. Interesting. It's that fucking desert rock, stoner rock soul. I, yeah, I don't know if a full album of it would be the smartest side. No, 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 but it's still very cool. Yes. So I think this song fucking rules. However, the drums are not going to change no, in the entire no. song. Get used to that fucking bass drum, dude, because that is not going anywhere. Yes. It's kind of enraging, honestly. If that guitar wasn't so cool sounding. And everything else, honestly. So this is... How is this not a hit? And like, especially in 2000. Uh, we were... I mean, we were talking about new metal right now. But like, no, but I mean, fucking Queens of Stone Age. Like, how is this not as good as that era Queens of Stone Age? Uh... I think it's just as good as fucking some of that uh, song to the deaf shit. Damn, damn, that's that's high praise. It is. I don't mean that for everything, but I mean that for at least like this song, like where it has that energy. It has like, why wouldn't that catch on? And so, yeah, go ahead. So yeah, that's uh, I like this random, random song. Uh, I'm just gonna plug a random band. They're called Bittersweet, and they have a song called Dirty Laundry. Uh huh. The original is fine, but they have a version. The Ski Whiff Remix. Ski Whiff Remix. Where it's very much that. Yeah. I just, I love it. And I thought of that Dirty Laundry Remix instantly. And oh, I, shit. So, oh, shit. random song, random band. But that's where my brain went. Dude. On that song. This is where I was dumbfounded because I heard this album. First of all, it's the it's the only album under now. This is 40 minutes. Also, and it feels so short. Like it does. Because like admittedly the last two albums were they felt pretty long, but the first two were long but didn't feel that long. This is like them doing a normal album is like it's like basically the equivalent of a 20 minute album for a regular band. Yes. It feels short. Also let me just say brutal brutal reviews for this and this is not look this is not a masterpiece this is not going to change any minds but it does not dude this fucking it it upset me like i don't (laughs) i don't love this album i like it's my second favorite album oh shit i really like this album. so i'm not even mad at that dude i so First listen, I was like, that was way better than I thought it was going to be. Like, that was, that was surprisingly you, good. Yeah, usually these, like, last yeah. albums. Especially because I didn't love the last two. Mm-hmm. But on second listen, I thought I was like, maybe my opinions will change. I will, maybe I'll like it less. Liked it just as much. And I, and uh, by, by, by the time the closer comes out, I'm like, man, that was such a fucking good closer. I wanted more, and it kept me wanting more. Like, this is fucking awesome. And that then, is the quality you love in album. It is. And then I then I checked the fucking wiki and panned. Like, yep. one star. Like, fucking, yeah. like, demolished. And, like, I can't even, my brain can't even comprehend how in the world that makes any sense. It it doesn't make any fucking sense to me because also it hurts your integrity. I think if you're telling, if you're telling me, if you're reviewing music and you are telling me this is like not just a bad album, but like in the, like the worst of the worst. Yeah. It's, ins- it's insane. It's so insanely misguided. It's so just flat out wrong and slanderous almost because this is one of their better paced albums. So here's a, a great example of, uh, of this. 
Track two is gasoline, which, oh. first of all, okay, I will admit, it doesn't have the most uh, amazing or original main riff, but the way it's pulled off is so fucking satisfying. It is it's, pulled out, pulled off amazingly. It's so much fun. And then, yeah, Great fun. It doesn't, set, like, you know, Catherine Wheel fans aren't coming here for these types of songs. Maybe not. Maybe not. But they're good. It's exactly. And it feels awesome as a second track. It is exactly the tempo and the energy you need from that opener, which was a very it's clearly like let's get up and move kind of opener. And then Lifeline, which is oh god, it almost has like a French feel in certain areas. It's way darker, has beautiful instrumentation. I don't love what we want to believe in so much. I think I actually you know it. It's kind of cheesy. Dude, so those are two songs I I dislike on the entire entire album or that song and mad dog there's only two songs i don't like on the whole album and for for what you want to believe in i swear dude great production and strong vocals cannot hide how much that song stinks like <laughs> <laughs> there was still something to be said for how badly written that song is sure. even though like i i do think this is performed and, and produced exceptionally well um it does have some catchy vocals in the course but but this album has some of my all-time favorite songs of theirs, first of which is Idle Life. I mean, goddamn, I love that song. Yeah. It has uh, – it's very ELO in many ways, especially the vocal harmonies. Very, very Jeff Lynn-style vocal harmonies. And beautiful and original chord changes, awesome strings. I think it's fucking rad. Uh, and then uh, The Closer, Creme uh, Caramel, I think that song. is – I think it, actually, you know what? That's their best closer. I fucking absolutely love this song. That song, I love it. Yeah, that song's got peaks and valleys. It's kind of, it's kind of a throwback in a way where you know it ebbs and flows, but it's still like this new version of the band, and it's still very much what they are now, which is chunkier, heavier, more. I mean, they sound like a different band. They they sound newer, but. God damn. And, and, and there's so much depth in the mix. You could really analyze it. I mean, you could do it with all their albums, I guess. But this one, I mean, you really can analyze it for a fucking while. Uh, that, that fucking harmonica is back on Ballad of a Running Man, <laughs> which I don't mind it so much on there. It actually has a pretty cool effect to it. And it's a, it's a decent track. Uh, and then uh, the last thing I'll mention is like, because again, the pacing here is so, is so well done because you get all of that, which is unlike anything they've done before it is mm -hmm. the if you're thinking of the the first album in terms of like what that album is it's a shoegazy shiny ringy big this is the polar opposite it is fucking tiny close uh there's zero reverb on the vocals he's right up on the mic there uh really quite snappy drums that are kind of like the focal point of the whole song mm -hmm. it's just the the polar opposite of what they were at the beginning it's very interesting i think i was just relieved to get out of the the jammy nature of the previous album mm -hmm. and to just have this 40 minute album where they're doing different things it's uh, very diverse yeah even if it doesn't work for you which i think is a, a fair argument if people don't like this album but it is it is a breath of fresh air after it's a different album. It's yeah. a completely different. I mean, they all have all their albums are different, but the last two I felt kind of were very samey to each other, and this one just feels just so different, uh, and individually too. Like where whereas most of the most of their albums felt like uh, 
like there was one mood throughout the whole album. They all had the same types of songs. This is different. Mm-hmm. It's very. I, I think it's it's worth a shot. And even people, even fans of this band, like I think consider this the weakest. Like, but why? <laughs> but why I ask you, James and Scott? Why is this the wor- <laughs> the worst? I don't understand it. From your perspective, I think. Yeah, I get, like, hearing your perspective on the band, I do get why you gave Happy Days your work. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. I get not liking it, but calling it this abysmal. It's a, it's a fucking lie. <laughs> it might as well be a lie. How fucking dare you? Lie. Oh, God. I did, whatever. Fuck them. Anyways, anyway, uh, are so they officially broken up. They broke up. They yes. for sure broke up. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, like um, like Haas said, they they tried to do a reunion in the early two thousands, but it didn't didn't pan out. Um, there was a uh, the big takeover, I, I believe, or something. Wait, what is, no, that's from that's something else. I, I shouldn't have read that. Gonna, like, forget I said that. <laughs> uh, Rob Dickinson released a uh, solo LP in two thousand five. While uh, lead guitarist or well, and you know Brian Fodder and Neil combined forces and self-released a full length in 2007 under the 50 foot monster moniker, uh, so that's interesting. So it stayed a little active. Um, let's see. So according to this is from Tom. He says according to an interview with Rob sometime after the release of his solo album there was some trouble with the label and it didn't get promoted properly. The album was later reissued on a new label. Uh, that's not, that's, a, that's a fucking bummer. But yeah, this is where he starts talking about uh, he spent his entire time in Catherine Wheel just worrying about the next thing, the next album, the next whatever it was. Uh, and it was all, everything was just a, a series of disappointments and nothing was ever good enough for him and he couldn't enjoy it, mm. uh, which is what a fucking curse. You know? Hopefully he can maybe rectify that and if they do get back together. That'd be interesting. I wonder yeah. what the the draw would be with the the how much do people want this how many would be because yeah i don't know yeah i don't know what they would would do but i feel like you know we talked about unwound yeah uh they're probably not the biggest band but they're doing a reunion tour so that's right oh man that's good i'm i don't know if tickets are still on sale for that i'm gonna try though Shit, you're right. Oh man, I fucked up. I didn't buy them. Uh, <laughs> I didn't plan uh, ahead. Oh man, the, I wasted all my money on Mars Volta tickets. Otherwise, I, I imagine that that was yeah. not cheap. Yeah. Goddamn. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So they basically, that's that's the last of them. That's the last of them. They broke up. There's no real. It doesn't seem like there's any real reason why they broke up. And you know what? If uh, they do get back together and those tickets are affordable, I would go. Yeah, probably. I would want to see what this band is like in person for sure. And also, I said there's no real reason they broke up. Of course, there is a reason. They fucking kept making expensive albums and they didn't make any money. Yes, <laughs> obviously they broke up. There's no like <laughs> vocal reason. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, uh, yeah. There wasn't like yeah. This this member decided to stab the other one kind of thing. Um, it just seems like it just ran its course. And uh, I don't know. Is it nice little? footnote in shoegaze alternative rock i think weirdly not talked about as much as uh, <clears throat> i feel like it probably should but should because like they're no 
Well, yeah, they're not going to like win over any. Like I said, they're not a, con- a converter band. They're not going to like win over all these people. But but I think they're strong. Yeah, it's very solid if you are fans of those genres of music. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, thank you all so much for listening and hanging out with us. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, James, for suggesting this. And uh, I mean, they requested this long time ago. But we got to it. Goddamn, we finally got to it. Uh, let's do a little recap. Uh, best personal favorite, Chrome. I'm. Uh I'm a fan of that album for life now. Uh, and then uh, worst least favorite, Adam and Eve just fucking bored this shit out of me. But Mike was so adamant about some songs on there. <laughs> I, I'm i going to listen to some of those. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. For me, best person favorite, Chrome. Hell yes, it's fucking rad. You got to check it out. And worst least favorite, Happy Days. It's, uh, it could be worse, but it's not for me. Uh, but thank you so much for listening and watching. And uh, if you want to hang out longer, please subscribe uh, and hang out. Leave comments. Talk shit a little bit. Leave your picks for best and worst. Leave us any insights into this band that you may have and experiences. That's always fun. Um, and uh, if you want to check out the Spotify playlist on Catherine Wheel, there's a link to that in the description. We got places associated with pretty much every episode. Or you can find all those at everyalbmember.com. Uh, what episode, I'm already blanking on all my plugs. On my plugs, I believe we have a thing called Patreon. We do. Dot if com. you want to hang out with us even longer, please. Patreon.com slash every album ever. You get the bonus episodes, early access, all the loose ends episodes, discounts off merch. You get to see our schedule in advance. You get to vote on polls. You get to join the Discord and chit chat with all of us. We got some fucking fun people in there. You got some talented people in there. You get some interesting people in there. Uh, join that. And of course, if you're tier two, you get to request artists for us just like Scott, just like James. Uh, and uh, yeah you can do that please and for me for me for me please check out my solo debut EP Parenter Monkey on all the platforms as well as the link in the description and uh, follow me on all social media at Parenter Monkey follow Alex on Instagram at Mother Puncture finally finally last but not least our history guy Tom Osmond at Tom Osmond Sounds on Facebook Instagram and Twitter as well as TomOsmond.substack.com all his writings about music and musings and whatnot and then his debut lp so much for all day's work which you can find a link to in the description it's very cool stuff check him out as well okay okay so we are at the end we both love chrome we do there is one song i feel like we came together but i'm gonna throw two your way I want to do Ursa Major, but I feel like we came together on Broken Head. I think we came together on Broken Head. Yes. We have to. We got to do it. That's the one then. That's yep. the one. Hell yeah. So thank you so much for listening and watching. See ya.
Yeah.